Okay, picture this, right? You forget about a birthday party. You forget about a, a whatever party it is you're going to, and you ne- you can't show up empty-handed. Okay, what is your go-to gift that that can be generic or whatever it is? But you just you bring that just so that you don't show up empty-handed. Just a little sign of gratitude. Listen, I think it depends on you know who you're giving the gift to, and obviously the gift I have in mind doesn't work for everyone. But personally, I think tickets for a game or a concert. Oh, that's pretty you good. You know, especially a game. That's a, a nice t- That's a nice present, exactly. though. Because it's something that you can get literally on your phone on the way there. You don't need to go to the mall. You don't need to go to the store. don't need to do any of that. Just everything on your phone. And then the second part about that is you get two tickets and you go with your friends. Oh. So it's kind of like a present for yourself, actually. So you're never punished for, you know, for your flaw in, in forgetting your present. You're actually rewarded. That's pretty good. That. Yeah. That's not bad. Uh, mine's a little different. Uh, mine, <laughs> mine is either candles, not n- not n- none of the scented stuff. We're not talking scented. We're talking like a deep purple candlestick. That's what we need: a deep purple candlestick, or a little tiny bottle of prosecco. Goes a long way. Yeah, the alcohol is definitely like like in the thirty forty dollar range. A little higher than you know, kind of the bottom shelf stuff, but certainly not the 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 blue chip the the top top shelf yeah stuff. it just you know it sets the tone to a, a good level yeah but but the candles are are true though and you know i got a candle from one of my friends my birthday actually so oh that uh, means they don't really care about you yep so i have to have to <laughs> have to reconsider some of my friendships I guess. for real oh really that's how you feel and the guys be like asking all them questions Asking all them questions. Why are you asking all them questions? Making statements. Bowl season is upon us. Uh, really excited to welcome you back to Misinterpreted. Tell you're here alongside Ryan. Um, Ryan, I'm I'm so excited for bowl season, man. We've, we've been watching a lot of college football all season long, and this is just one of the best times of the year. I think bowl season, March Madness, they go hand in hand for me, and nothing really beats it. Yeah, I think bowl season, you know, a lot of people think that's the end of college football. They stop watching, especially now when it seems like only four teams matter. But I think even for some of the teams where players are opting out, we know like for Texas, who are going to play our Washington Huskies, uh, aren't going to have B. John Robinson. Um, But I think it's going to be, I think bowl season has always been a great way for kind of the freshmen to come in, kind of the redshirt guys to come in, the new wave of players, and get fans excited going into next season. The college football season is short, and having some excitement for fans to leading up into the season is obviously huge. You know, this year I'm looking forward to Cade Klubnik out of Clemson, you know, taking over the reins from DJU, as well as Drew Aller out of Penn State. No longer are we going to have Sean Clifford in there, so I'm really excited to see them play, um, as well as all the other guys. And I think the people that do opt out, you know, I, you know, go get your money in the NFL. Your your thoughts on opt-out? You're totally okay with it at this point? I, I think at that point, you know, you have one more game to play, I think loyalty, you, you've been loyal for three, four years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think you should be punished because you try and focus on yourself one game before okay. maybe you should. The question that I struggle with is, especially with someone like Jackson Smith and Jigba at Ohio State, he's been injured most of the year, understand that, but he's back and fully healthy. And you're number four. You're competing for a college football playoff. Like, why? I don't understand how that's acceptable. 
Yeah, yeah. For Jackson Smith and Jigba, it's definitely been like, it's been a weird season for him because he's been slated to come back, you know, week ten, week eleven, week twelve, and that's always getting pushed back. Um, so we're not really sure if he's ever healthy. But I think that's when you're the fourth seed and in the college football playoff, it is kind of a different scenario where opting not, opting out means you are leaving your teammates out to dry. Of course, we're not going to see C.J. Stroud opt out. We're not going to see Stetson Bennett mm-hmm. opt out. We're not going to see Jalen Carter you know, opt out because they're vying for a championship. So I think you, you can't really put that in the same discussion as just normal opting out in a normal bowl game. But yeah, Jackson Smith and Jigba, um, I wonder what this does to his, dra- to his draft stock moving forward because he hasn't I, yeah. played all year. Obviously, he people say he's the number one wide receiver in the nation, but when Marvin Harrison Jr. comes in and you have the second number one receiver um, in Ohio State in your back pocket and then, you know, Emma Senebuka isn't that far behind too. It really puts into question, is it is it Jackson Smith and Jigba? Or is it that offense? Is it some CJ Stroud? Is it just what Ohio State means to be a brand and an offense and a football team? Yeah, I think Ohio State is certainly a different breed when that conversation comes to be because like they're they're gonna have five stars in their four, five, six slots. So they're obviously gonna be okay moving forward if one guy opts out. I just I I hate it. I hate it when you're in the final four. You you barely squeak in two, and so your team's got something to prove. And and I don't know when you're their top receiver how you don't give everything you have to them. I think as if I were an NFL recruiter, I'd be like, mm, how's that guy's commitment? Yeah, you see some of the players in the NFL they chase the bag, and then they you know retire early or they you know don't play through their games. And he, the truth is, he might just be hurt. You know, this yeah, might be yeah. a, this might, might be, be a really yeah. long injury, and yeah. we we never really know. Uh, but some team's going to take you know a risk on him, and whether he truly is a risk, if you do a physical on him, if he's truly just injured out the season, if it's not something long term, or if it's you're taking a gamble on you know a gen- potentially generational player, uh, we'll just have to see. Let's take a look at the uh, betting lines. Ohio State plus six and a half against Georgia, December thirty first. Right before the new year, I think Georgia covers easy. Georgia by a touchdown? That's nothing. Yeah, I think that line's probably a little low for Georgia. Um, you know, we saw Ohio State's performance against Michigan, and for me personally, I think Michigan and Georgia are 1A, 1B right now, and there's really nothing separating them. Um, so if if that's, you know, what you think, and that's certainly what I think, we saw what Michigan did. That was like, was it, 45-17? Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah. I would expect a similar scoreline, but what I will say is I think Ohio State does have a better chance of being Georgia than TCU does Michigan, and I think the line mm. does reflect that well. Inter- well. Okay, so it's Georgia by 6.5 over Ohio State. It's only Michigan by 7.5 now against TCU. That was up to 10, I believe. Uh, at the beginning, yep, it so, was around ten, ten and a half at the when the betting lines opened. Yeah, that's wild. I don't know. I uh, I really so badly want to root for TCU, but I just don't know if they have what it takes to go against Michigan. I especially what Michigan did. They they dismantled Ohio State, and they ran all over them. And I don't know if. Texas or TCU's front seven can can deal with that. 
Yeah, I think this is more a story about TCU than it is Michigan. We, you know, TCU is the true Cinderella story of this year. Obviously, going twelve and zero, and you know, this is why we watch college football is for these upsets, for these non-blue blue bloods to you know make it to the top, and you know, in this case, maybe win it. Um, but this year, TCU faced a lot of question marks. You know, they play Oklahoma State and they beat them, but. They, Spencer Sanders is injured. They played Kansas State the first time. Adrian Martinez is injured. I think they played four or five straight weeks where the opponent's starting quarterback was injured. And, you know, credit to dumb. You know, you have to play the team in front of you. But it seemed like once they played Baylor, once they played Kansas State the second time, once they finally played teams where the quarterback really didn't get injured, there were a lot of question marks both on the defense and offense. You know, Max Duggan wasn't really able to get it going as much as he was near the beginning of the season. So when you look at that trend between TCU and Michigan, you definitely see Michigan, you know, if you're just looking at the trends, being a much better favorite here. And then you look at the personnel, even without Blake Corum, uh, don't know his status on the injury, but you know I'm assuming he's out. Yeah, Don- he's, he's yeah. already out. Yeah. But but Donovan Edwards, you know, seven and a half yards per carry this year. So I ex- I expect him to easily take over that workhorse or workload. Excuse me. And JJ McCarthy as well in his last two games has been really lighting it up after a lot of questions. Um, you know, by everyone, he you know lit up with three deep ball TDs against Ohio State, and that that shocked me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm a sucker for underdogs, but. I I take Georgia and Michigan minus the points. Bulldogs by 6.5, Wolverines by 7.5. Some pretty high overs. The Georgia and Ohio State set at 62. Michigan TCU is at 58.5. I might take the under uh, in both of those, (laughs) honestly. Um, Yeah, I just think defense is going to come up so big for those. There is already a few bowl games that are in the books as of today. Troy beats UTSA. Did you watch that game? Uh, I, well, the game that I heard was the spectacle of the day was Miami, Ohio versus UAB in the Bahamas bowl. Uh, Tell me about it. I read, I read something on Reddit about someone who went to the Bahamas bowl and they've got like 20 entrances into, (laughs) into the stadium. 10 of them are manned. (laughs) So there's just people strolling around the security. Just an open practice. Basically an open practice. People, there's a track around the field. People are just walking around it, chugging beers. They're probably rolling out four by fours there. <laughs> a lap, a drink, a lap, and a drink. And security just loves it. They're dapping people up in the stands. I mean, I feel like that might have to be our next move. I mean, it's the Bahamas. What do you expect? You know, there's only a certain type of person that's going to be there. But four by <laughs> yeah. four, also in our future, tell you. So, you know, yeah, we'll we got to do that, we'll and we're going to look at uh, both not runners. <laughs> not so, runners. So we'll have to we have, climb that hill. Do we hill. have to keep a certain pace for that? I mean, I think the the four shots are already that, – that's challenge enough. I don't think we need to give ourselves All anything more. All right, good more. stuff, good stuff. Um, we, but, need, we need to be sub five, yeah. sub five mile. Yeah, Troy yeah. – <laughs> I, I do want to say I watched some of the highlights of Troy UTSA. Uh, I can't believe that both of them are top 25 teams. Like, Troy yeah. had this awful safety <laughs> where the quarterback wasn't even looking at the snap, and the center just snapped it. Um, so that was a safety, and then also had an incredibly bad interception where he threw it right to mm-hmm. you know the quarterback's hand with no Troy receivers around him. Uh, so kind of surprised that they held out and won it. Um, but definitely not a top 25 team, and I'm glad I didn't watch the whole thing. Yeah, so... <laughs> UTSA scored the first 12. It was a safety 
a touchdown and a field goal, and then Troy scored 18. Touchdown, touchdown, field goal. And, and there was a two-point conversion in there, too. It's just, just a terrible game. It's the, awesome to the, see some of these G5 teams just finally so enter the, the spotlight. Yeah. You know, There's some good G5 And then they do teams. that. They go under by 26 and a half points. That That's just incredible. should not happen. That's incredible. It's an odd maker's nightmare. So bowl games are already 2-0 and on the under. And I'll give you another one. Florida, Oregon State. They're playing Saturday, December 17. I don't know when you're going to be listening to this. The under, the over under set at 53. Oregon State favored by eight and a half. Florida has already struggled this year with a Pac 12 team in Utah. Oregon State has a better defense than the Utes. Although, here's my here's my one struggle with liking Oregon State. I don't think they're an eight and a half type team. If they I think if you're gonna go on the spread, you take Florida. Oregon State against the SEC is 2-11-1 all time. Those two wins come against Missouri, but when they were members of the Big 12 in 2006. <laughs> so I think Oregon State's going to struggle to get a lot of people behind them. Don't get me wrong. They're a completely different program than they were back in the day. Completely turned it around. Coach just got a huge contract extension. He's now the highest paid coach in the Pac-12. I think... Oregon State's program is turning around, but the under 53, lock it up. You want you want to give me I'll, I'll give you a reason. I'll give you a reason. Third down defense. Oregon State or sorry, third down, fourth down defense. Fourth down defense, Oregon State only allows conversions 33% of the time. That's 7th in the country. I don't think Florida has the offense. I Pac-12 gets a lot of knocks for their defense, but Oregon State's got one of the better ones in the country, and I think Florida's going to be stifled by it. That That's what I was about to say, is I don't think Florida's played as good of a defense as Oregon State you know, this season. Maybe Utah at the start of the season, but we know the SEC, outside of Georgia, doesn't really like to do that. Big offensive powerhouses in that division. Um, I think the key factor here is, uh, do we know if Anthony Richardson's playing that game? I don't. I don't so know. That's going to be a huge factor because yeah. I don't think anyone on that defense can spy even, him. Even so. better reason to have the under. It's got under written all over it. Not to mention, so Oregon State, number seven in the country in fourth down defense. They're number nine in the country in fourth down offense. They're converting at a 68% clip. How, how about the Bears, as, as, the, <laughs> as Florida as Fanatics referred <laughs> to them? The Oregon State Bears. Um, I've got the under there, and then my game of the entire bowl season is Western Kentucky versus South Alabama. Absolutely love this game. Um, I have I I think I've got South Alabama here. I think I've got South Alabama. It's uh, what are they? The Cougars? Are they? Oh, the Jaguars. The Jaguars minus four and a half. Please and thank you. I'll take Western Kentucky here. Shout out Bailey Zappi. Getting the Patriots back on track. Nah, they, they don't have it. They don't have it. I love looking at third down conversion percentages. It's huge. And uh, the defense for South Alabama on third down, they get off the field. They're 11th in the country. 11th in the country. South Alabama from the Sun Belt. Their own, opponents are only converting 30% of the time on third down. They get off the field. We got South Alabama. I think I think they win by sixteen. Listen, Teller, I pride myself in someone that thinks they know about G five football. Um, 
USA and Western Kentucky are not two of those teams that I know. So I'll take <laughs> yeah. your word for it. <laughs> I think you're just playing devil's advocate against, against, uh, against more whatever. Of power, more, more of a power five, uh, power five fan. Okay, you want to talk about a power five game? Let's talk about the homegrown roots of Washington and Texas. Texas without Bijan Robinson. Quinn Ewers is back. Starting to find his groove a little more. And Texas football wants to say Texas is back. And they've been wanting to for a long time. And, and we were talking a little bit earlier of this is kind of a must win for Texas. If they, wa- if they want to be able to claim that they can still, you know, buck up and, and play to their level that they always talk about. Yeah, it seems like every year where we always say Texas is back for the last maybe decade or so. And now we might be actually we, we might be heading to a place where Texas is actually back. Of course, they have Archie Manning coming in next year but I think this is like you said I think this is a must win for Texas and I think this is a much bigger game for Texas than it is Washington because Texas at the start of the season they almost beat Alabama with Hudson Card uh, Quinn Ewers obviously being yeah. injured and then they go out to beat Oklahoma 48 to 0 Quinn Ewers uh, with a great game there and then he produces a few great games and then he gets injured against Oklahoma State um, and kind of falters out a little bit I think if they win this game big you can kind of say well we would have been a lot better team if Quinn Ewers wasn't injured. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you yep. go in next year with Archie Manning. Maybe he redshirts up behind Quinn Ewers. Um, and yeah, that that's a great four or five years in the future if you can make that happen. But It's a heck of a way to introduce yeah. yourself to the SEC. But I think, you know, what, what's the line on this? Minus six for Texas? It's four and a half. Four and a, it's, okay, so it's it's leaning towards Washington since yep. lines open. Yep, we're looking at two very close teams. This is as close to a pick'em as I think it can be. I think we have two not really great defenses with two mm-hmm. flaw. Uh, excuse me, two 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 great throwing offenses. Boom! Just, yes, we're trying to find the yep, words for absolutely. that. Absolutely. Um, I think the difference maker here is that Texas doesn't have. When you're, or excuse me, Bijan Robinson for yep. this game. While you dub, no one's going to be opting out. At least no one of no. Michael Penix is going to continue to sling the ball downfield. I don't see Rome Odunze. You know, it's, it's just Rome, Rome, Rome. Odunze, Odunze, Odunze. Yeah, go Rome. I got Uyangalele last time. So you can <laughs> give me a <laughs> um, Yeah, I don't see them slowing down anytime soon. So. Uh, I, I have Washington favored here. Maybe Washington minus one if I was making a over line. over under sixty seven and a half. That's I, up there. I think that's I I think that's a respectable line though. I think, I think that's right. I think, where it should I, think be. We're, we're, I think we're going to see like a thirty eight thirty one type game. I would love forty three. Give me a shootout. I mean, as Washington fans, we've seen shootouts all year. Oh yeah. So or the, the fact that Washington was in a shootout with Arizona makes me so mad. But it makes know, her, hey, it makes for great football. It's great. It's great football. Yeah. Um, I so badly want to root for UW there. Well, obviously, I'm going to root for them. I I have to stay away from it money wise. I I just can't. I can't do that. It's it's really too close to call, and we don't know what Quinn Ewers is going to be like that. Game. Right, exactly. He, he came out of high school as this perfect recruit, and obviously, he's had his struggles over the years. But his foundation at his core, he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. If he can get everything together, yeah. It'll well, it'll certainly be fun to watch. So, if you're looking at uh, sprinkling a, a few a few bucks here and there, uh, Oregon State under, I like it, and South Alabama the spread. I like it. Beautiful. All right, uh, Ryan. There's been a lot of switch ups. Uh, at the skipper position, if you will, 
for college football. Obviously, we see Prime go to Colorado. That's going to change the the landscape of the Pac-12. Um, I, I want to know your, your thoughts just all around on the coaching carousel. Yeah, I think actually one of the biggest you know, headlines that I saw was Scott Satterfield. He goes from Louisville to Cincinnati. Who And they're playing each other. Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. You, th- you think some of those players are on a sideline dapping each other up and in the middle of the game? And they share a sideline because it's at Fenway Park. <laughs> They're sharing a sideline and the coach just left. They're just going to gonna be going, moving sides because some yeah. of those Louisville players are going to be going to Cincinnati next year. It's <laughs> wild. But uh, Scott Satterfield, he, he stays four years at Louisville, underwhelmingly goes 25 and 24. Mm-hmm. And he goes to the Cincinnati program with, with huge success under Luke Fickle. Um, obviously, they go to the college football playoff one year, but they're always perennial contenders in their conference in the AAC, I believe. Yep. Um, so I think this is a massive downgrade to Cincinnati in a time when they do need an upgrade when they move up into the Power Five. And don't like the higher. I think this is like a D-plus higher. So this is a big thing that stood out to me. And this is great for Louisville because I think Louisville always wanted to get Scott Satterfield out. So it's kind of a mutual benefit where they don't need to fire him. They don't need to let him go, but they also get him off their hands. That's fair. So I think, and Louisville gets uh, Jeff Brom from Purdue as a, as a mm-hmm. result. And I think he's a great quarterback. Yeah. Excuse me. Great coach. Lost my, lost my, <laughs> yeah, great quarterback. Great, uh, probably great quarterback played, with the play sheet. Probably, probably played quarterback in his past. Um, but that. Jeff Brom, you know, leads this Purdue team to, you know, big, big 10 West title, multiple bowl games. Uh, love the hire. I think that's like a B plus hire, A minus hire. Um, some of the other great hires, I think, throughout college football. Jamie Chadwell goes from Coastal Carolina to Liberty, taking over for. Um, wow, I'm blanking. Hugh Freeze. Yep, that's right. Hugh Freeze going to Auburn, Diet, yep. which is a lot of stuff to talk about. There <laughs> yeah, there's a lot that goes <laughs> I don't think that. we're going to open that door, but my <laughs> goodness, there shouldn't. is so much with, with the boosters and that program and everything else. But I think Jimmy Chadwell leading Coastal to multiple 10-win seasons. Their quarterback, Grayson McCall, um, obviously leading, leaving this year, but was consistently one of the best G5 quarterbacks in the last couple of years. Um, Liberty with a lot of money in their program as well. So maybe and using... They- Maybe using NIL, you know. Let's not forget, they beat Arkansas this year. Yeah. Uh, Liberty 700. Liberty's not a team to laugh at. I think Jamie Chadwell is going to consistently just boost boost that program. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see them in a Power 5 yeah. conference to, to yeah. soon, as we, as we saw with Cincinnati and, you know, all those other teams. I think also Luke Fickle to Wisconsin. I think that's one of the – I think that is the play uh, coaching – or. Probably the second coaching play of the year after the last one I'm going to talk about, which is, you know, pretty obvious when mm-hmm. I'm going to say it. Um, but Luke Fickle, you know, we talked about Cincinnati, 12-0, and amazing in the AAC. And then go to Wisconsin with a great football foundation, but weren't able to quite get everything together with Paul Christ. So, you know, we've seen him have success in lower teams and now with a Power 5 team, now with a lot of resources at hand, I'm going to see, you know, we're going to see Wisconsin ultimately succeed. I think Wisconsin has kind of been needing a rebrand, but back to old school Wisconsin football. Yeah, I, I, think, I, I think Luke Fickle will. Yeah, I think he's the that. perfect yeah. guy for it. Uh, there, there was a story that Paul Christ in, in his recruiting was he was doing it the old school way by just you know sending out emails, sending out letters, really? and getting yeah, just getting players out there and not using all his resources to hmm. 
is his advantage. Um, Interesting. And and recruiting, you know, in this day and age with NIL, with twenty four seven, with with you know YouTube being as big as it is, you know, with reality TV and everything, people wanting to go to the spotlight. That isn't really a way to recruit and be a successful program anymore. So uh, Paul Chris rightfully out of there, um, and Luke Fickle is in, and I see success in Wisconsin's future. Um, this is old news, but Matt Rule to Nebraska as well. Mm-hmm. I think Nebraska is a team that we 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 talk about the Texas is back narrative, but I think in the mis- Midwest there's also a Nebraska is back narrative yeah. that they desperately want. Of course, <laughs> yeah. like they were the team to play for in the '90s. Um, by the way, my old baseball coach playing tight end there for two national championships. Sure, he did. Yeah, but dual sport athlete at Nebraska. Wow. Yep. So big stuff from uh, Jason Bartlett. How about Hopefully that? Hopefully you tune in. Um, but yeah, Matt Rule's known for being a being a coach to rebuild programs mm-hmm. at Baylor, mm-hmm. at Temple, and Nebraska's definitely a rebuild. Like, yeah. They, they are in some dire straits here. Um, but the silver lining is he does have that recruiting network in that Midwest. He's going to get every single top recruit in Nebraska in that area. Um, so I think he's going to be successful. I think that's an A hire. You know, yeah, I, he he has only been successful at the college level. Yeah, I mean, struggled I, in Carolina. Yep, but I think getting him back in college is just perfect. And, and those are two different ball games, right? Just because you can't coach in the NFL doesn't mean you can come. You can't come yep. back, coach in college, recruit well, yep. build yep. a program again. Building a program is much different than building an NFL team. And and finally, you know, we knew this was coming, um, but probably the top hire of the year, maybe of the decade, you know, if we can be bold to say that. Yeah, please. Deion Sanders to Colorado. Colorado, of course, a 1-10 in team, one of the worst teams in all of college football. Um, and Deion coming in there absolutely changes their culture. Of course, they get the Kent State. They, they get a sitting head coach yeah. from Kent State to be <laughs> yeah. their OC. And, uh, and, like and he's, he's brilliant, yeah. too. He's like, so smart. Like he said, like, he has baggage, and it's Louie. It's Louis. It's Louis. Uh, you know, we're going to get um, Travis Hunter, yep. you know, who is formerly Jackson State's first five-star recruit. Yep. He's going to be in Colorado. Shakur. Yes, Shakur. They're probably going to get 30, 40 new guys. Yep. Next year, that's going to be a completely different team. We're not going to recognize any of the players. Yeah, pretty um, much. Not like I recognize any of the players before. <laughs> it, was just, yeah. it was just who was going to be at the end of this tackle, who was going to drop this pass, so on and so forth. But... Uh, yeah, I think this program is going to turn around really quick. I think it's going to be like a Washington, you know, University of Washington, USC type. Yeah, of four and eight to they were both. Well, ten, they were both ten, four ten and eight. two. Yeah, they were both, both ten and two. Well, or USC was eleven, 11 and two. Yeah, 11, yeah, two losses. But for Colorado's pro. I I would say Colorado goes from one and eleven to six and six. Yeah, I think I I, I, I like I like nine and three. I, I like wow. I think it's an immediate turnaround because you're getting 30, 40 new guys. 30, 40 How new. How do they mesh though? I, I think Dion's that guy, and this is just a feeling more than anything. Obviously, you can always fall back on Dion hasn't had Power Five coaching experience, so you can always fall back on that and you know say that's his downfall. But I think that he's a great footballing mind, um, and he's been nothing but brilliant at Jackson State. So I expect him to continue that momentum with his new staff. You know, staff being, of course. A, huge component of building a program um, and I think he has the right guys there and I think he's going to get the right players and I think that's going to event you know very quickly you know turn into some great 
some great players and a great team. So Prime, one of the best coaching hires of, well, we may arguably say decade, and obviously one of the greatest coaches that we have ever seen in the college game, uh, Mike Leach. Just phenomenal, phenomenal guy. Um, obviously, our, our, our prayers go out there, but he would not want us to he would not want us to be sad about whatever it is. So he wants us to focus on all his great highlights and to cap it off, Ryan, you've got such an inspirational quote from Mike Leach here. Yeah, I think just before I get into this quote, which is iconic, I think even though Mike Leach is, you know, gone, his air raid offense is going to live on forever. Of course, Always. he pioneered that. Um, you know, of course, Sonny Dykes from TCU won 12 and 1, 11, 12 and 1, 12 and 1, 12 and 1 this year, one of his coaching hires. Uh, there's this awesome story where he had, he brought a player into his office and he said, Hey, you're not going to play. You're probably not going to play at all. But if you wanted to be um, kind of a student assistant coach, I would love to have you on. And that player stormed out of that office. You know, he obviously he was mad um, that he wasn't going to get any playing time. But uh, that player eventually came back the next day, accepted that offer. And you, you know about my feelings about this coach, but he's nothing short of great. That player was Lincoln Riley. Yeah. Um, so Mike Leach's air raid offense lives on. Um, and he was the type of guy that he had the opportunity to play some big schools. Obviously, Tennessee, we know he could have landed that job if he wanted to, and I'm sure he had other offers along the way, but he was always content with going to like these outposts, you know, Texas Tech, Pullman, uh, Mississippi State, and Starkville. And I think it, that, for whatever you think that means, shows what type of person he has or he is, that he doesn't chase the stardom, that he just he loves football. And I think, you know, his off the field uh, kind of personality reflects that. Um, so rest in peace, Mike Leach. And, uh, to cap it off, like Teller said, I have a quote for him or for you from him. Um, so Leach said, as coaches, you fail to get through to them as coaches. We fail to make our coaching points and our points more compelling than their fat little girlfriends. Their fat little girlfriends have some obvious advantages. For one thing, their fat little girlfriends are telling them what they want to hear, which is how great you are. Rest in peace, Mike Leach. Thank you for listening. This has been Misinterpreted. For real. Oh, really? That's how you feel. And the guys are like, asking all them questions. Asking all them questions. Why you asking all them questions? Making statements. Uh,